Hello, vampires and slayers. This is Mixtress Ray, and you're listening to What's This Bitch Talking About? To which the answer to that question is Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Season 2, Episode whatever, it's on Disc 5, and it's called Passion. So, um, if this is your first time tuning into my Buffy podcast, I review, which why would it be? Because people don't normally start, like, Buffy podcasts in the middle somewhere. But anyway, if it is your first time, just to let you know what I do here, I review, recap, and watch every episode, not in that order, obviously, every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer exactly 20 years after its original air date. So 20 years ago today, February 24th, the episode Passion was released into the universe. So I'm going to start like I normally do with reading you the description of the episode from the worst episode guide ever called The Complete Slayer. Don't buy it. Okay, just don't. Buffy awakens to discover a drawing from Angelus on her pillow. She pleads with Giles for a way of stopping Angelus entering her home. She tells her mother that Angel is stalking her and that Joyce should never invite him in. Jenny, hoping to restore Angel's soul, purchases an orb of Thessala. The shopkeeper warns that warns her that the spell's translation has been lost, but Jenny replies that she's working on the text. With Jenny's help, Giles devises a spell to exclude Angelus from places he had previously been invited into. Angelus asks Joyce to help him get Buffy back and mentions that they made love, but he is unable to enter the Summer's house as Willow and Buffy perform the spell. Jenny completes her program, but Angelus knows that she is planning what she is planning and kills her, leaving her body in Giles's bed. Giles attacks Angelus at the factory, and Buffy arrives in time to prevent Angelus from killing her watcher, but Angelus escapes. Willow takes over as substitute teacher and accidentally misplaces the computer disc that is the key to Angel's soul. Okay. This is a very heart-wrenching episode, of which there are many in the series of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, especially in season two. Um, Season two is when we first realize that Buffy is going to punish us emotionally. Um, We saw the first inklings of that when Angel first loses his soul in Innocence, which was like four or five episodes ago, something like that. And we see it again in passion. So the big deal with passion is, you know, there's been a lot of like Giles getting worried that Angel has done some pretty shitty stuff in the past and he might do it to Buffy because he's obsessed with her, blah, blah, blah. And this is when we see the biggest display of that. Um, Angel kills Willow's fish, strings them up on a string. He um, kills Jenny in this episode. He breaks into Buffy's bedroom and Joyce's bedroom and draws them while they're sleeping and leaves like the drawings of them for Buffy to find. He basically just exploits every place that he's been invited into in the past. Um, and the terror is just ratcheting up for 
you know, being scared of Angel at this point. So I have a lot to say about this episode. Um, obviously, you know, when you're looking at this, how long this ended up being. Um, it could be another two hour podcast. So I apologize if you're not into that kind of thing. But if you're not into that kind of thing, you're probably not listening to this anyway. So let's just do it. First of all, the the way that the episode opens up is very genius. It's um, it's just there's a there's no dialogue in the entire first scene. We don't get any actual dialogue until after the credits roll. The only thing we get is a voiceover from David Boreanaz, who plays Angel, and he's talking about passion, how it rules all of us, and blah, blah, blah. And so the first scene before the credits is, um, you. it's all from Angel's point of view. It's a voyeuristic scene where, um, or it's not all from Angel's point of view, but it's kind of at a distance and you're sort of watching. You can't hear what anyone's saying. You see, um, we're at the bronze and you see Giles or Giles, not Giles. <laughs> you see Cordelia, Willow, Xander, and Buffy, and they are dancing and laughing and just hanging out at the bronze. And then you see them leave afterwards, like Buffy and Willow are linked arms and Xander has his arm around Cordelia and they're just kind of walking out. They're leaving the bronze together after just having, you know, a normal teenage dancing time at the bronze. And um, the score is really ominous, but beautiful. Um, and then there's, you know, the voiceover of Angel talking about passion and how it rules all of us and blah, blah, blah. But the the first of many times that I call bullshit on the things that happened in this episode. Whenever they walk down, whenever they leave the bronze and they're walking down the alley, leaving um, the four of them, they walk right by Angel, who is draining a woman of her blood. And he just like pushes her to the ground as they're walking by <laughs> it. I think we're supposed to think that he's in shadows and that they wouldn't notice, but it seems very obvious. Um, and I think that Buffy would have sensed that. So I call bullshit on that little moment, but whatever. We're supposed to, you know, just be reminded by that shot that Buffy is just a teenage girl and she's being stalked by this evil thing. Don't forget, she's being stalked by this evil thing. So, um, that's pretty much the first scene we see, we continue to voyeuristically, we, the next scene after they're walking out of the bronze is Buffy, you are looking through her bedroom window at her and she kind of looks out the window like she thinks something's there, but then she decides they're not and you see her walking away from the window, like unzipping her dress and then you see her getting into her bed and going to sleep. Um, in her jammies later. It just cuts from her walking away, unzipping her dress to getting into bed in her jammies. And then you see Angel. You can see him like in the corner, like through the window as she's like getting into her bed. And you, see, I think maybe you don't actually see him until she turns the lamp off, which makes it even scarier. And so he comes into the room after she falls asleep and he just like 
sits there staring at her and like touches her face and it's just I also maybe call bullshit on her not waking up at him touching her face um I think it would have this scene would have been more effective to me because I was distracted by thinking that she's the fucking slayer she knows that you know this asshole is after her right now like her senses are heightened anyway um for many different reasons so she would wake up i think the scene would have been more effective if they had shown him sort of almost touching her face you know like he touched her face with like the back of his hand so they could have shown him just like sort of getting really close but not actually touching her face and then maybe i would have believed this but i call bullshit on that um just for the record and um in the morning she wakes up and opens there's like a letter on her pillow and she opens it up and it's a folded it's like a folded piece of parchment paper which apparently angel has in abundance because we will see at least five of these sheets of paper in this episode um maybe six i don't know anyway whatever we don't need to count the number of he has he has a whole stationary set okay of this parchment paper um that he just carries with him i guess whatever anyway so she unfolds the paper and it's a drawing of her sleeping so he has left it there because he wants her to know that he was there and so she goes to school i don't know if that is when the credits happen or if we see her opening up the letter after the credits i don't know either way um the dialogue doesn't start until she goes to the library and talks to giles i think the first thing you hear the first dialogue you hear other than the angel voiceover is buffy saying he was in my bedroom here's another time i call bullshit just you know if you're keeping track don't take a shot every time i call bullshit in this episode because you'll be too drunk by the end giles says who was in your bedroom she's like he was in my bedroom and giles says who like fucking shit giles so giles's reaction to buffy being really upset that giles that angel was in her bedroom last night i call bullshit on that entire thing because he has been you know caution man this entire time he is always like warning her about how creepy angel's about to get because he's read how creepy angel gets he is her watcher his entire job is to protect his slayer and he is like she's like taking this shit seriously she's like dude he was in my bedroom what the fuck we need to like figure out if we can revoke his invitation and blah 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 and giles just kind of basically says well you know that he's like this you know he's gonna try to provoke you and blah 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 like he would be genuinely worried like he would be much more worried than this but he basically just tells her ignore him and i hope he goes and maybe he'll go away which um yeah call him bullshit on that that is not how giles would react in this situation but you know even buffy can't be perfect okay buffy the show not buffy the person obviously she can't be perfect we know that so let's see i'm going to my notes here yeah call bullshit on his cavalier attitude here and i also call bullshit <laughs> it's like the fifth time i've called bullshit 
<laughs> on them just realizing that they can revoke his invitation. Like, it's been several episodes since Angel went evil, and Angel has been invited into Willow's bedroom, Buffy's bedroom, Cordelia's car, <laughs> whatever, and Giles's apartment, which several of both of my episode guides are um mention that like when was he invited into Giles's house I don't remember this blah 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 but I I don't know maybe we didn't literally see him but I feel like there was a point in like Prophecy Girl maybe the last episode of season one when Giles and Angel were working together to translate that prophecy that said that Buffy was going to die and I think Angel goes to Giles's apartment to like give him the book or get the book from him or I think he goes to Giles's apartment to talk to him about that prophecy situation. So I'm pretty sure it's totally legit that Angel was invited into Giles's apartment at some point. Um, so these are all places that Angel goes in this episode. Places he's been invited. And I think that with Giles being Buffy's watcher and Giles being caution man in general, he would have thought about this before and he would be investigating how to revoke the invitation. And I think they could have gotten around this whole thing if they had just dropped a couple of nuggets in the last few episodes of Giles just, he could have just casually mentioned at some point, hey, I'm trying to find some spell to revoke Angel's invitation. You know, they could have said this before, but it was like they hadn't even thought about it until this episode, which that's my biggest call bullshit on this entire situation. Okay, so sorry, I'm nitpicking and I need to move on. Okay, um, there's a funny joke. The um, Jonathan, who is still unnamed at this point, even though we've seen him several times, we still don't know that his name is Jonathan. He comes into the library with another student and um, everybody, they're having the conversation. This is, you know, that conversation of like, hey, maybe we can revoke, revoke his invitation, blah, blah, blah. And Jonathan and the other student walk in because they want a book from the library. And everybody just sort of like, what? What are you doing here? And Xander says something like, this isn't a Barnes and Noble. And Giles is like, this is the school library, Xander. So there's just, you know, a little funny joke about how nobody ever goes into the library except them, um, which is cute. But then, like, because they're having this conversation that obviously these students can't overhear while they're in the library, Giles decides to take everyone outside into the hallway and he just, like, abandons his post as librarian. Like, he does not give a shit about school librarian job at all whatsoever. Which is kind of funny. Um, then, okay, so, they, so they're outside now. They're, like, in one of the, like, the outdoor hallway area or something. And Giles is telling Buffy, I know how hard this is for you. And Buffy, this is just a funny little moment. Buffy just gives him a look after he says, I know this, how hard this is for you. And he's like, all right, I don't. <laughs> um, and this is when he says, you can't let him get to you. So this is obviously a foreboding moment right here. He says, you can't let him get to you no matter how provocative his behavior may become. So spoiler alert, <laughs> um, later, Giles is going to definitely react 
to Angel's provocative behavior. Okay. Um, then the next scene is like the end of class. Um, we are at, we are in Jenny's computer science class and she's telling everyone about an assignment that's due. And that, um, and I think this is just a nice little moment that they peppered in that somebody might not like recognize if they weren't paying really close attention. Cause I think, you know, this is probably the seventh, eighth time I've seen this episode and, um, or more, I don't know. <laughs> and, um, I didn't notice it until this time watching it cause I was taking notes, but, um, Jenny says, that um, whenever they turn in their assignment, they she wants both a paper copy and a copy on disc of the assignment. Um, so that was just a nice little moment because later that comes into play. Um, let's see. So Giles comes in to ask Jenny if she knows anything about like, can you revoke an invitation? And she just happens to have a book on her desk. She gives it to him because um, she's been working on it. So thank God somebody was thinking about it, right? So um, so at this point, you know, we're revisiting the whole situation that like ever since they found out that that um, Jenny is actually Yana of the Calderash clan instead of Jenny Calendar, it's not even a real name. Um, there's been a rift between Giles and Jenny. Like their their relationship has just like barely started anyway. You know, like every time they sort of get close, something happens. You know, like Jenny's and get becomes inhabited by a demon, and then she gets mad at Giles for a while, and then they start to make up, and then this happened, and you know, like so they've obviously been attracted to each other since the beginning but like their relationship has never really gotten going and then whenever they found out that she had been lying to them that she'd actually been sent to Sunnydale in order to spy on them in the first place but she didn't tell them that um ever since then Buffy has been mad and she's like not speaking to Jenny and Giles has been backing her up he's just basically like okay if Buffy's pissed at you, I'm pissed at you. And that's basically, you know, the communication. It has been very clear that, like, I trust Buffy. And until, and he makes this clear here, like, um, Giles is, or Jenny is trying to say, like, I, I feel so bad for, I feel really badly. I really want to make this up to you. And um, Giles, you can tell he, he wants, he wants to forgive her too, like, but he says to her, I'm not the one you need to make it up to. He basically makes it known to her that until Buffy consents to them having a relationship, they're not going to have one because he, his allegiance is to Buffy first. And I, I just think that that, that particular storyline that they're pushing with Giles having Buffy's back is really important and it makes me really happy. I think that's an important distinction. Um, let's see. Later, so earlier Buffy was talking to Giles saying, hey, you know, like early, whenever Angel told me before he lost his soul that whenever he was obsessed with Drusilla, he killed her family. So I need to tell my mom something. I need to warn her, especially before we figure out how to get revoke this invitation. I need to 
tell her something. And so um, this cuts to like dinner that night. Joyce and Buffy are having dinner together. And Joyce is like, what is wrong with you lately, dude? I've read all the parenting books. You're not going to shock me. Like, Joyce, with the fucking parenting books, okay? Shut up about the parenting books. Always bringing up the parenting books. Take a shot every time Joyce brings up parenting books, though. <laughs> anyway, um, so... <laughs> Basically, Buffy tells Joyce, like, hey, do you remember that angel guy? Because she did meet him once for, like, a second, and she told him that he was um, tutoring her in history or something. So Joyce is like, yeah, yeah, I remember him. She says, well, we were dating, and he is kind of following me around. He's not letting things go. I don't want to talk to him right now. Don't invite him in. Um... And she, you know, she plays it off like he's, she doesn't really think he's dangerous, but she just wants her mom to know not to invite him in, which is kind of weird, but I mean, it's the best she could do without telling her what the fuck's going on. Um, so that's when we see Willow and Buffy having a conversation on the phone. And this is when Willow discovers that her fish are not in the tank. They're in a string inside an envelope. So not only does angel carry around with him like parchment paper <laughs> like full size too like where does he put that does he have it already pre-folded in his jacket pocket <laughs> like what he's not carrying around like a folder full of stationery but apparently there's also envelopes because there was an envelope so this is when we see that he has exploited the fact that he has been invited into willow's room at one point um, and so Willow gets really freaked out and she comes over and stays the night with Buffy. So this cuts to them sitting on the bed together and Buffy's just like, I just don't understand, you know, like when stuff like this happens, my first instinct is still to just go tell Angel. I can't believe it's the same person and he's so different. And Willow points out something really important. She says, well you're still the only thing he thinks about. So this is probably a good time to have a little thought experiment. So what is Angel's end goal here? So he kills Jenny. Obviously that hasn't happened yet in the episode, but he's going to kill Jenny. He is, you know, killing Willow's fish. He's drawing pictures of people while they're sleeping. Like, he's trying to freak Buffy out a lot. He's trying to break her down psychically. But he does not want to kill her. And obviously, he did this with Drusilla. And he no longer has Darla. Darla's been killed. Darla was his maker. And um, he did this to Drusilla. He killed all of her family. He slowly drove her insane and then he turned her into a vampire so i i've never really thought about like obviously he wants to torment her he wants to you know completely break her down but the end game here it's i think it's important to note that his end game is not to kill her i think he wants to make her a vampire he loves her he's obsessed with her he wants her to be with him forever but he wants her to be completely reliant on he wants her to be completely reliant on him 
So, uh, and I think we see, and this may not have been the intention, like there are plenty of moments in this episode and others where Angel could have killed any number of Buffy's people. She could have, he could have killed Xander by now. He could have killed Willow by now. He could have killed Joyce by now. He could have killed Giles by now. He, like, basically, they're not taking his evilness as seriously as they need to. And he had the opportunity later in the episode, as we'll get to, he has the opportunity to, like, he and Buffy are fighting when... Giles tries to kill him later and like because Buffy is distracted by fighting him she's not seeing that Giles is knocked out and fire is about to you know he's about to get set on fire and Giles or Angel points it out to Buffy he's like are you gonna let your old man burn and then he like sort of like pushes her off the little balcony thing that they're standing on to help her get down to him. So I think that something has infected him. Even soulless angel, who is extremely terrifying and awful, something has infected him where he is not quite as evil as he used to be. Because he's had many opportunities to kill the people that Buffy loves, and he hasn't done it. Like, I think... I think that's something that maybe the show wanted us to understand, but I didn't ever understand it until this watching. So I just wanted to point that out, that I've made that realization all of a sudden. Maybe it's false. I don't know. But but I think maybe it's just bad writing that there's been all these opportunities and he hasn't actually killed people. So it's just not backing up how evil they want us to think he is. Or maybe... He's actually been changed by his love for Buffy, even without a soul. So that's the narrative that I would like to go with here. Um, okay, so let's keep going. Let's see, fish on a string, blah, blah, blah. Okay, then um, the first time we see the, the, the three of them, Drusilla, Spike, and Angel, which they're living together in this warehouse now. Seems like they don't have any lackeys anymore. Just like as soon as Angel came on board... Um, like, all the lackeys have disappeared, I don't know. Or they're just not in this episode at all. But Drusilla, um, first we just see Drusilla and Spike. So Drusilla comes in, and she's bringing Spike a puppy. And it's just, like, this tiny, cute little puppy. And um, she's like, you need to eat something. And she had just, basically, she had just killed the puppy's owner. And she's like, I've named her Sunshine. You need to eat something. And she, like, does, like, the whole airplane routine, like, trying to feed the puppy to Spike. And um, he refuses it. Um, because he's like, I don't need you to feed me like a child, Drusilla. <laughs> but I think, secretly, that Spike just wouldn't want to hurt a puppy. <laughs> so, um, this is... Sunshine becomes a character throughout this episode from now on. I just want to point that out, that Sunshine is important to me because basically, okay, so Drusilla brings Spike a puppy and she names it Sunshine. And when Spike refuses to eat the puppy, Drusilla doesn't eat the puppy. Angel doesn't eat the puppy. The rest of the episode, every time we see Spike and Drusilla, one of them is holding the puppy. <laughs> it's just there the entire episode. Um, so I just want to 
just point that out. The sunshine is here and sunshine is, is important. Okay. Let's see. Um, and then Angel comes in and he just starts taunting Spike like he does. And basically he drops the hint that, um, he's been sleeping with Drusilla and, um, so we just, you know, this is all meant to really see that, you know, Angel is evil in every single aspect. Like, he's he's fucking Drusilla, and because Spike's in a wheelchair still, so there's certain um, duties he cannot perform for Drusilla, is the way that um, Angel puts it. So basically, Spike totally hates Angel, and he actually says something to that effect. Like, I kind of prefer... I, it wasn't in this scene, it was later, but he's like, I kind of prefer sold Angel, actually. Uh, uh, then, okay, so as Angel is taunting Spike, Drusilla starts having a vision, and she says, The air, it worries. An old enemy is seeking help to destroy our happy home. Sorry, my, sorry about my, um, I just have to apologize for my accent, but I still have to try. Um, so she is having a vision because Jenny is going to a magic shop right now. She's getting an orb of Thessala, which is just like basically a crystal ball that randomly shines when you're talking about it, I guess. <laughs> and it's basically a vessel to call someone's soul from the ether to hold it temporarily until they can put it back where it goes. Um, so Jenny's getting this orb of Thessala because she is, she hasn't told anybody that she's doing this, but since she so badly wants to make up um, for betraying them, she wants to re-ensoul Angel. Um, so she hasn't told them. She's trying to get the text translated for the original spell that gave Angel his soul. And um, she needs the Orb of Thessala. And she gets it from the magic shop. And so that's that scene. Where would they be without Drusilla? I want to say that. Okay? They would have no idea what the fuck's going on without Drusilla. Half the time, Spike and Angel would know nothing if they didn't have Drusilla's visions. But they never give her any credit for that. Anyway, whatever. Sorry, I keep having to pause. Like, it seems like the more I talk, the snottier I am. I've been sick. And for, for whatever reason, my body's particular reaction to being sick is to feel completely miserable for like two to three days. And then be a complete snot monster for like three to five days after that. More! Like, it's been a week and two days since I got sick, and I'm still just, like, going through half a box of Kleenexes a day. Anyway, whatever. Um, oh, and there's just cheesy exchange between the magic shop guy and Jenny. He's like, just out of curiosity, it's none of my business, but what are you conjuring up? And she's like, a present for a friend. He's like, really? What are you planning on giving him? And then the, the orb just decides to glow at that moment. And Jenny says, his soul. <laughs> so that's the first, um, you know, indication that we know what she's doing now. We know that she's trying to figure out the spell to give him back his soul. Um, then we see the outfit of the episode, which is Xander's best outfit ever. He's wearing like red and green tartan plaid pants and a 
a red and green sweater. And it's a very interesting design on the sweater. It's like most of the sweater is just like a big rectangle of bright like neon red and then like the edges of the sweater are like an army olive green and it's just it's a good outfit for him he's looking good we're about to have the episode goldfish or go fish where he um you get to see him in a speedo so he's probably been working out extra in preparation for those scenes in the next couple episodes. I think it's two episodes from now that that episode's gonna happen. Um, so he's looking good. Xander's looking good. Um, also best Jenny outfit ever, and it's also the outfit that she's wearing when she dies. So this is, um, the next scene is the beginning of the day. Or she's wearing that outfit when she goes into the shop. So that's the very beginning of the day. Um, she goes into the magic shop. So, um... Yeah, Jenny's outfit is so good. It's like a like a mint green sheer floral shirt and matching skirt. And it's just great. She looks great. She's not wearing a bra, but it's okay. She can do that because her boobs are good. Yeah. Anyway, she's not old enough really to play to play like Giles's love interest like I think she was only like 26 or something she was like the same age as Charisma Carpenter who plays Cordelia and she's supposed to be a teacher like I know I've pointed that out before but I just have to point it out again I just don't think she's old enough but anyway um <laughs> thinking of how perky her boobs are in this outfit reminded me that she's not old enough for Giles okay because he's in his mid-40s at this point at least anyway okay so at this point, she is, Jenny is arriving to the school. It's the very beginning of the school day. All the kids are getting there. Um, Buffy sees Jenny and decides that she's going to talk to her. Like, look, Giles misses you. I don't want anyone to be lonely. Not even you. She doesn't say it like that. She just says, I don't want him to be lonely. I don't want anyone to. And, you know, then Jenny starts going back into, I really want to make things up to you and blah, blah, blah. And Buffy just sort of interrupts her and says, we're good here. Like, basically, I don't want to hear your shit. I'm forgiving you for Giles's sake, but we're not actually good, but we're good. Okay. So basically, this is her, her consent of their relationship. Like, it's okay. Like, she has realized that Giles is not going to have a relationship with Jenny unless it's okay with her. So she's letting them know that it's okay with her because she doesn't want Giles to be unhappy. Um, so that's a sweet little moment. <clears throat> the Buffy and Giles relationship in this episode is the most important relationship, I think. Um, so that's why I keep coming back to it. But so there's that moment. And going back to my notes here. Um, <laughs> So then she goes to the library and Giles basically tells her that now he has the spell for how to revoke Angel's invitation to all the places he's been invited to previously. And he just basically tells her, it's super basic. Like, you just need some crosses and you need to recite some, like, poetry shit and you need to have some moss and, like, holy water. And Buffy's like, yeah, it's all stuff I have in my house. Like... This super basic spell is something that y'all should have figured out episodes ago. Okay, sorry. I know. I already mentioned that, so stop harping on it. Move on. Um, later, 
in the day they're shown um they're doing they're just basically going to each place and doing the spell so they're at willow's house they've done the spell for cordelia's car already apparently and because cordelia won't shut up about it um they're even though he angel hasn't done anything to cordelia's car but um they're doing the spell in willow's bedroom and that's when they find another folded up piece of paper this one might have been in an envelope too i can't remember um, but this one is a drawing of Buffy's mom sleeping. So, um, the voyeuristic aspect of Angel is something that is, um, a theme in this episode. And it's something that like is a personality trait of Angel in general. Like even when he had a soul, he lurks around and watches Buffy a lot. But when he has a soul, he's doing it with the motivation of protecting her and when he doesn't have a soul he's doing it from the motivation of um you know just being creepy <laughs> so um they're presumably they're headed to buffy's house next to do the spell at her house anyway but um they um this picture of joyce while she's sleeping that has been left for buffy in willow's bedroom which is just weird but you know, just adds to the creepiness factor because he knew that she would be there at some point because it's Willow. And, um, so that leads her to going home even faster. The next scene is Angel talking to Joyce. So, um, she's coming home with a bag of groceries and he just sort of like ambushes her as she's getting out of her car and, um, tells her I need Buffy you need to talk to her I just I need to be with her ever since we made love I can't stop thinking about her blah 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 and he's just being super creepy and makes um Joyce drop her groceries and he's like picking up orange oranges and shit to like help her put stuff back in the bag and it's just it's a very I don't know it's a really good scene and just amps up the creepiness factor and to Joyce's credit she is you know she's saying no you're scaring her like you can't see her no <laughs> like go away I'm gonna call the police and um, as soon as she gets in the door Angel tries to follow her in but um, Willow and Buffy are coming down the stairs doing the spell so his invitation has been revoked. So it's a good thing that he left that little picture of Joyce to make them get to Buffy's house to do this spell faster. You know, because otherwise Angel may have killed Joyce at this point. It's possible. So, yeah. Anyway. So that happens. Um, okay. Um then Giles and Jenny have the conversation so Giles like goes to give her back the book or something no he doesn't have the book at this point the book with the spell in it he just goes to talk to Jenny I guess it's like hey you're here late because it's night and um she's working on the translation of the spell that's why she's there but she doesn't tell Giles this 
Um, she says, hey, I might have something, um, but I don't want you to get excited yet. Um, she hasn't finished translating it. And Giles is like, and then she says, hey, Buffy and I talked earlier today. And Giles is like, really? Because <laughs> he knows, like, the only reason why they would talk, like, he's just been waiting for her consent. And um, Jenny's like, yeah, she says that you miss me. And, um, and that's really all she has to say. Giles is, <laughs> you could see him just, like, kind of, like, smirk for a second. And then he says, she's a meddlesome girl. <laughs> So that's a good little moment. Um, how many times do I say that's a good little moment? <laughs> I don't know. Um, and then, uh, yeah, that's when Jenny's like, okay, I might have something. And Jalice is like, come over to my house later. And, um, we'll, and you know, just like a little bit of like portent, like, Hey, we're going to resume our relationship now. And, um, yeah. So, then you see he leaves and you see Jenny continue to try to translate the spell and she's on her computer and she's trying to figure out how to translate the spell. And she's sitting there with the orb of Thessala right next to her, right there. I don't think it was there when Giles was there, but now it is like she's like, it was in like this really cute little box too. It was like in a little, it's like nested in this nice little box with a really cool lid and it looks, it just looks really cool. But the lid is off and it's just sitting right next to her as she's sitting there translating it, which doesn't make any sense except to remind us of what she's doing visually, I guess. But um, you see her like, she's like, okay, like you can tell that she's figuring it out. She saves it to a disc, to a floppy disc. And she's printing it out on her, like, uh, you know, the dot matrix printer with, like, the little holes on the edge and everything. You know what I'm saying? So she's printing it out. She saved it to disk. She's ejected the disk. And she sets it down on the, on the desk. So this is important because Jenny not only prints things out from her computer, but she also backs them up on disk. Smart Jenny. Smart Jenny the techno-pagan. <laughs> And then as she's printing it out, you see she looks up um, at the printer and she sees Angel at the back of the dark classroom sitting at a desk. Which leads me to think, has he been there the entire time? Like, obviously Drusilla let him know what's going on. Because she, I think this scene has happened at this point where she goes into the shop and... She's holding sunshine. She goes into the shop and talks to the shopkeeper. Um, so she knows she gets it out of him, I guess. She probably killed him. I don't know. I don't think they show that. But um, so she knows now and has told Angel what Jenny's trying to do. Like after the vision, he knows what's up. So how long has he been sitting there? Did he sit there through that entire conversation with Giles and Jenny? Just, ugh, so creepy. He's so creepy. He's so creepy. He's so voyeuristic. Angel's the worst. Anyway, so he's sitting back there and she's like, fuck. Uh, she's printed this thing out. She's super happy for a second because she figured out the spell. And then she tries to, like, tell him, I figured out your cure. Like, why are you doing that? Like, he doesn't want the cure right now. You know this. 
but um, she says that to him anyway. And then this is where he chases her through the school. And she's like the, you're led to believe she's the only person in the school right now. It's late at night. Um, he chases her through the school. And you think, like, first time watching this, this must be extra, extra terrifying when it actually happens. Because you think that, you know, Buffy's going to step in at the last moment. You think that she's going to be saved. You have no reason to think that Jenny is going to be killed right here. And then he kills her. He just very, like, casually breaks her neck. Doesn't even drink her blood or anything. He doesn't care. He just wants to kill her. He's not hungry. He doesn't give a shit. He just breaks her neck. So this is officially the worst thing that Angel without a soul is going to do. Um, he's going to do some other terrible things, but this is the worst. So that happens. Um, then commercial break. Then the next scene is Giles showing up at Buffy's house because she's going to give him the book so that he can go home and um, do the spell on his own apartment to revoke the invitation for Angel to his apartment. And um, Willow answers the door because now that Angel has just revealed to Joyce that they made love, I hate that phrase, Buffy and Joyce are upstairs having like a serious mother-daughter talk about the fact that Buffy has had sex. And so Willow answers the door because she's still there. And um, she, she gives Giles the book and Giles is like for a second really cute. She's like, He's like, um, so should I like intervene on Buffy's behalf with Joyce and, you know, and say something and Willow, so cute. She's just like, okay, um, what would you say? What would you say? And Giles is like, uh, um, okay, tell her I stopped by. <laughs> so little moment of uh, lightheartedness just to give you a break from the fact that Jenny just got her neck broken and then and then I think first we see the talk with Buffy and Joyce I think we do see that first um, where you know Joyce is basically saying like so you had sex with a boy that you didn't even see fit to tell me you were dating which I think is a pretty important mom point to make here and you know says I thought you would have better judgment and luckily Buffy has already had a similar conversation with Giles wherein Giles you know basically told her you have my respect and my support and I am not judging you for this he has shown many times that he loves you so someone that knows more about the situation Giles has already let her know that he doesn't judge her for what she did so this blow doesn't hurt Buffy as much as it maybe would if she hadn't had Giles's support the other parental figure in her life she doesn't if she hadn't had his support previously that comment would have hurt her a little more I think um and Joyce is being a little harsh but 
again, she didn't even know that Buffy was dating this person. So Buffy has kept a lot from Joyce. So I can understand her being like, what the fuck? Come on. You never tell me anything. What the fuck? So that's this kind of conversation. And they have like a little moment of, I don't know, um, a little bit of a connection here. A little bit of humanity is brought to Joyce's character at this point. So that's good. Um, she asks Buffy if they were careful and Buffy just sort of interrupts her and like, mom, no, like, and you know, I think that's an important thing to think about here for a second. Do you have to wear condoms when you have sex with vampires? I don't know the answer to that question. I don't like you would think no, because they're not going to get you pregnant and they probably don't get sexually transmitted infections. So they probably can't give them to other people <laughs> so probably they didn't like I don't foresee I don't think that Angel probably had condoms <laughs> but anyway so they have that conversation and um this is the first time I just I wrote this down because like I think at this point we've all assumed that Buffy was you know, had never had sex before. She had sex with Angel. We assume that it was her first time. But I don't think it has actually been said until this moment when um, Joyce asks her, was that your first time? And then she was like, wait, I don't want to know. I don't think I want to know. And then Buffy says, yes, he was the first and only. Um, so I think this is the first time we actually get confirmation of that. And I think that's pretty smart to not make Buffy's quote-unquote virginity like a big issue like you know they basically just showed this situation as Buffy wanted to have sex with him she thought about it she was thoughtful about it they were together for a while before she made the decision to do it she was not coerced like and then she did and then we don't find out until episodes later for sure that she that that was her first time so I think that's I'm pretty sure they don't outright say it before this moment so um I think that's classy if that's the case and I think it is so let's see and then at the end of the conversation just another uh nitpick of the episode is <laughs> Joyce is like well I guess that was the talk no it wasn't the talk Joyce the talk is here's what sex is Here's how I think you should probably handle it. Here's what I expect from you when you do start having sex. That's the talk. This was not the talk. The after you've had sex, I'm going to yell at you now is not the talk. Okay, Joyce? What the fuck? If you've read all the parenting books, how do you think that this is the talk? Okay? Okay. I'm going to take a little blow in my nose break and we're going to move on in a second. Okay, so then we get the scene. This is top five most heartbreaking scenes in Buffy history, I would say. So, Charles gets home. He, there is like a rose somehow attached to his door. He picks it up and he smells it and he sort of smiles um, and he walks in to his apartment which they call it his apartment, but I mean, I guess, 
I guess it is an apartment. I don't know. It seems like a house to me, but anyway, whatever. So he walks into his apartment and um, there's Labawim playing on his record player. There's champagne chilling in like a bucket with two glasses next to it. There's um, candles on his, he has like the only thing he has upstairs is like his bedroom. It's like a loft or something, but there's like actual stairs that go up to it. Side note, Giles' apartment is the coolest place ever. I want it to be my apartment. Anyway, so there's candles on the stairs, champagne in the bucket, um, roses and rose petals just like leading him upstairs. There's one of those fucking manila, <laughs> those fucking parchment stationery trifolded pieces of goddamn paper that angel carries around with him and in like you know pretty script it says upstairs this is like in the bucket with the champagne so giles is like you know he takes his glasses off he's sort of smiling you know like he's just like getting real excited because like he finally gets to resume his relationship with jenny who he's loved you know ever since he met her in season one. I don't know. How long would they have known each other at this point? Like a year, maybe? Um, that's probably safe to say. About a year. And I, I mean, I feel like their relationship has been a lot of misconnections of them almost getting close, but it not working out, like I said earlier. So I would assume that he, at this point, was thinking, finally, we're going to consummate our relationship. Maybe they've had sex before and you know, whatever. But I assume that this is their first time. Again, not said, but I assume. So he's getting super excited. He looks so happy. Like, finally, we're going to reconcile and, you know, something good is happening. Finally, something good is going to happen. He picks up the glasses and the champagne and he starts walking up the stairs. And as this is happening, the, um, the Laboem situation is like going to a crescendo. The opera is like amping up as he's walking up the stairs. And then you see as he's like sort of the stairs sort of spiral and then you can kind of see the room. Like I don't think it has a door. You can see his bed like before you're even at the top of the stairs. So his acting, Anthony Stewart Head's acting in this moment is very supreme top notch because you see his face you almost like I feel like you almost see his face go through the five stages of grief like not really but like you see so many different emotions go on his face like at first he's so excited anticipation walking up the stairs he thinks he's gonna find Jenny like I don't know in lingerie or naked or something I don't know but instead she is dead in his bed and so you see him like with that anticipation and then it goes to confusion and then he realizes that she's dead and then it's just like you see him just sort of like not want to believe it but then he does and you just see his face fall and it's just and then they cut to his face in the next scene and he's sort of like standing outside his doorway the police are there and he's just shut down you know he's in shock 
and they're like, hey, we need to take you down to the station and question you. And he's like, of course, yeah, procedure. I need to make a phone call first. And he does this, like, being in shock, acting so well. He's just completely out of it. But he realizes he needs to call Buffy and tell her what happened. Um, thankfully, he does call Buffy and tell her what happened. Like, because this this action right here is going to save his life here in a little bit. Um, so he calls Buffy. And then we go back to the voyeuristic angel. We see it from his point of view. He is lurking outside Buffy's house watching. Willow's still there. Um, they're like walking through the dining room together, which looks like they're sort of like touring the house, walking about like in a Jane Austen novel, <laughs> just like walking around the house. I don't know, whatever. So they're walking through the dining room, just sort of talking, whatever. And the phone rings. Buffy goes to answer the phone. And you're seeing all of this through the door, through the windows, through the curtains. Like it's all like from afar through the lens of like the glass and the curtains you're seeing it from outside and you can't really hear anything that anyone's saying you're just seeing it again that voyeuristic thing and um so you see buffy buffy has you know she answers the phone and you see her reacting to it and she's just sort of and then you see different reactions to grief two that different people have like Buffy's just sort of she shuts down she doesn't really say anything she just kind of starts like doing that wide-eyed thing that she does before she starts crying which is how Buffy always starts crying and then she just sort of like kind of like starts to drop the phone and Willow takes it from her and then you see Willow's reaction to Giles telling her what just happened and Willow just starts crying immediately and Joyce runs in the room whenever she hears Willow crying and hugs her like she doesn't even know what the fuck's going on but she just like immediately starts hugging Willow and and when Willow starts crying of course that's when you start crying because that's how it works so it's it's a really, really well done scene. Um, I think it's just interesting to see the scene in that kind of voyeuristic aspect of just, you know what news they're about to get. You can't hear what they're saying. The only thing you hear is Willow crying because it's loud enough that you could hear it outside the window. And it's, and you just see Buffy sort of like, she just sort of slides down like she's hit the wall behind her and she's just sort of sliding down and curling up into a fetal position on the floor and um i don't know it's just really effective the emotions of that it's just really effective um then the next scene is let's see xander and cordelia show up to pick up buffy and willow to go over to Giles. Um, they apparently have gone by Giles's house and the cops were there and the cops said that he had left to go to the station. So like, I don't know, some of the cops were still there. I don't, whatever. But so they were like, okay, well we need to go to Giles's house. And Willow for a second says, well, doesn't, don't you think Giles would want to be alone right now? And Buffy says, I don't care what he wants right now <laughs> because I'm afraid of what he's going to do. So she knows immediately that Giles' reaction to this once the shock wears off is that he's going to go try to kill Angel. She knows that immediately. And she, 
I don't know. It's very observant and very cool that she knows that. And they go over to Giles' apartment. Giles isn't there. And that's when they all see, you know, what had happened. They see, um, I guess, Angel also drew a picture of Jenny dead. So he's just drawing pictures of all kinds of chicks sleeping in their beds. And this one's just dead. Um, and then Buffy says something to the effect of, oh, this is the wrapping of the gift. And, you know, she, they all realized this moment, exactly the scene that was set by Angel. Um, and Xander's like, oh, poor Giles. And then he gets angry. So I think this is an important moment too. So at first Xander goes into like this speech of, I told you so I've always hated Angel. You guys weren't on board until now. Somebody needs to kill him because at this point they're realizing that the reason that Giles isn't there is because he's probably gone to kill Angel. Um, and Angel or, and Xander's like, good somebody needs to kill him faster pussycat kill kill you know and at first like my initial reaction to that is like xander shut up this is not time for i told you so conversation but then i realized okay well this is just his reaction to this situation you know willow's reaction was hysterics buffy's reaction was shock giles's reaction was shock and then anger Xander is going to anger immediately and that's what he does like later whenever Joyce dies in season five you see him like you know freak out get really frustrated and punch a wall like this is just how he has to deal with the how he deals with grief so it's important that I don't know it's a consistent um, display of character that Xander is like this now Xander will be like this again this is how Xander reacts to extreme you know grief situations he reacts with anger so um, I understand that situation after the initial fuck Xander seriously not time for I told you so so this is when Buffy's like okay well he's gonna go to wherever Angel is so he's gonna go to the factory so I gotta go then you see, um, I guess we probably saw this before, but I don't know. We must have, because there is a shot of Giles in his apartment packing a bag, and he packs, like, a can of gasoline and a bunch of weapons and, like, a big duffel bag, and he's walking out the house. And he looks kind of calm, like, I'm just doing this right now. This is what needs to be done. I'm doing this. So that must have happened before that scene. Um, let's see. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. <laughs> and then we flash to, um, the factory before Giles gets there. So Drusilla, Spike, and Angel are having a conversation. This is where Spike tells Angel, like, I kind of preferred you when you had a soul. Because they're sort of talking about how, um, Jenny was trying to ruin their happy home by giving Angel back his soul. Drusilla's holding Sunshine at this point. She was also holding Sunshine. I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but when she went to the shop to talk to the magic shop owner guy, she was holding Sunshine. And she was like, Sunshine is worried. <laughs> but she worries. <laughs> oh, Sunshine. Um, so she's holding Sunshine at this point. Sunshine's still there still kicking. I don't know if they fed her yet, but 
Um, so that worries me, but okay. So she's holding sunshine. Then all of a sudden, like the table that they're standing behind, they're like all talking close to this really big, long table. You suddenly see like a fireball hit the table and the entire table catches on fire. It's big, long, like last supper type table, um, catches on fire. And that's when Giles shows up. So pretty badass these first few moments when Giles shows up because the fireball hits the table, sets the whole table on fire. Then Giles sort of storms in. He's got a torch. And as he's like storming up to Angel, uh, walking across this table, he just sort of like, without even looking, dips the torch into the fire to light it as he's walking by the table. So pretty badass. And then he just sort of like bitch slaps Angel a bunch of times with the fiery torch. And um, you don't see her do this, but I paid extra attention to what's happening with Sunshine because for a second I started worrying that they just left Sunshine, the little baby puppy, in this fire and that he goes to a demise. He or she goes to a total demise in this fire. But I paid extra attention and like rewound it a couple times um, Drusilla hands, you don't see it happen, but at some point, Sunshine is no longer in Drusilla's arms, but Sunshine is in Spike's lap. So at some point, Drusilla hands Sunshine off to Spike, and she starts to try to, like, go and help Angel. And Spike just sort of grabs her and like, hey, no fair going into the ring unless he tags you first. And then they sort of like escape. Um, he convinces Drusilla to stay out of it and protects her and gets them away from the fire. And they just sort of leave quietly as Angel and Giles are fighting. So Giles gets a bunch of really good bitch slaps in with the torch until um, Angel kind of finally like reacts and he is holding Giles by his throat and he's probably about to kill him except Buffy intervenes of course and um, once she intervenes um, Angel drops Giles and he's unconscious so then they start fighting Buffy gets some good smacks in and she's she's really doing a good job you think she's about to overpower him actually whenever angel sort of distracts her like are you gonna let your old man burn because and then they show a shot of you know giles being knocked out and the flames are in front of him and you know so she has to go she has to go to save giles she pulls him outside and um he starts to come to um and he like starts yelling at her at first like why did you come here and she punches him and that moment of like she, she punched him just hard enough that he sort of fell to his knees but he didn't get knocked out and um it just sort of gave him something else to feel for a second because he was angry and yelling at her and he was about to go back in there to try to finish angel off so she needed to distract him so she punched him and just that moment of being punched was enough to make him just break down into tears. And then she does too. And she just hugs him and says like, you can't leave me. I can't do this without you. And it's just such a great moment between the two of them. Um, because it's so sad, you know, like finally Giles breaks down and cries, you know, he gets, 
he gets to depression at this moment i feel like i wrote down the five stages of grief just to like think about it in the context of this episode because i feel like the writers were thinking about that so the five stages of grief in case you don't know in order of their um in order of their presentation is denial anger bargaining depression acceptance so i feel like um at this point giles has hit depression I feel like anger and bargaining were happening as he was there trying to kill Angel, of course. And then he hits depression right after Buffy punches him and he starts crying and she's hugging him and like. And then, okay, so the next scene is um, Giles and Buffy at Jenny's grave. Her tombstone just simply says Jenny Calendar, which... I call bullshit on that because they all knew that that wasn't her real name. So I think that kind of sucks. You know, I feel like that's sort of a disservice to her memory. Um, they probably did it just so everyone watching would know who it is. But like the context of their conversation would have said that even if her tombstone didn't. So I think it kind of sucks that they put Jenny Calendar on her tombstone and that she was I mean like the fact that she was buried in Sunnydale anyway like I think her family would have intervened and she would have been buried somewhere else you know anyway whatever I'm trying to harp on that too much it's just I think it's not very believable so they're having a conversation as Giles is leaving flowers on Jenny's grave and he says you know, in my years as Watcher, I have buried a lot of people. And I'm thinking, well, before he was Watcher to an actual Slayer, like, what kind of danger was he actually in? Like, uh, what? I don't know. <laughs> that I call a little bit of bullshit on, too. Just a baby bullshit. I call a baby bullshit on that. But um, he says Jenny was the first that he has loved. And... Buffy just sort of says, I'm really sorry that I didn't kill him when I had the chance. Because she had a moment at the end of Innocence when he had first lost his soul. She could have killed him. So they're referring to this moment. I'm sorry I didn't kill him when I had the chance. Um, I wasn't ready, but I am now. So the voiceover at this point has... We, we have gotten little moments of voiceover from Angel about passion throughout the episode. But... Um, at this point, they transition into the next scene where Willow is um, telling everybody in the computer science class that she is going to fill in for Jenny until they can find a replacement for her. And um, you see, the, that's when the voiceover of what Buffy is telling Giles in this moment, it turns to voiceover. And this is where we get, I think, the stage of acceptance Finally, we've seen Buffy go through all of these, you know, stages of grief. And we see her finally get to acceptance in this moment um, where the voiceover has been taken from Angel to Buffy. I think that power shift is something we're supposed to get there. Where she just says, I wasn't ready. I am now. So we... That is what we get from this episode. After all of this happened, finally Buffy is ready to kill Angel. And she actually says something to the extent of Angel's gone, we'll never get him back. 
And as she says that, um, Willow is sort of setting her stuff down at Jenny's desk because she's getting ready to teach the class for her. And the disc that no one knows, no one knows that Jenny backed up his spell on the disc. Oh, I forgot to mention that when he like chased Jenny around to kill her, he like pulls the computer off of the desk onto the floor and it catches on fire, which I don't think would actually happen, but whatever. It catches on fire and he like burns the pages that she just printed out with the spell on it with the fire coming from the computer. And he's like, I'm killing two birds with one stone and teacher makes three. And that's when he starts chasing her before he kills her. I don't, I didn't mention that part, but, um, so everybody thinks that the spell is lost. Um, which do they even know at this point? They don't even know that Jenny was working on this spell. Drusilla knows because of her visions, but, um, and Angel talked to Jenny about it. So, but they don't know that she was even trying to do this and they don't know about that disc and the disc right as the voiceover of Buffy is saying Angel's lost forever nothing's gonna bring him back I know I have to kill him now that's when you see the floppy disc drop from the desk where Jenny had set it down um in between like in between the desk and a file cabinet or something. So you see it fall and hope maybe never to be found. So that's an important little scene, of course. Um, so that's it. So that's when Buffy hits acceptance. That's the end of the episode. Um, let's see, I guess we can go to, oh, there's something I wanted to, I tried to do like, you know, research in my, I have several Buffy books that I consult and most of them didn't really even mention this episode that much, which I thought was odd. I maybe need to get better Buffy books because I feel like this is an episode that really does need to be talked about. But in my really good episode guide by Nikki Stafford called Bite Me, um, I wanted to read this. This was like her little section of nitpicks on the episode. I just wanted to, um, I just wanted to read this part. Okay. Another nitpick about time. Giles and Jenny make plans to meet at his house, and he leaves her in the computer science room, dropping by Buffy's house momentarily before heading home. Meanwhile, Angel talks to Jenny, chases her through the school, kills her, takes her body to Giles' house, chills some champagne, arranges flowers, puts on the music, lights numerous candles, and draws a picture of Jenny's corpse before Giles gets home. Did Giles' car break down somewhere? <laughs> So I thought that was an important, um, an important, um, nitpick right there. But as I was reading it just now, I thought of something. Perhaps Angel had this whole thing planned out. Perhaps he knew before he went to the school to kill Jenny that he was going to do this whole thing. So if he did... He could have gone to Giles' house, chilled the champagne, done all of that other stuff, lit the candles, except put on the music. Um, he could have done most of that scene setting before he went to the school to kill Jenny. And then all he would have had to have done is put her in Giles' bed, draw a picture of her real quick, 
turn the music on and leave. So if still, it would have taken him forever to draw that picture. But um, yeah, anyway, I just wanted to point that out that I was a pretty astute observation, like, like setting a scene the way that he did would have taken some time, some damn time. Um, anyway, so that was just an important point, I thought. So let's get to my, I've been taking so many notes and I'm gonna have to buy more paper because I have like a Buffy binder with loose leaf paper in it and I keep taking paper from the other seasons that I haven't gotten to yet and I am gonna have to buy more loose leaf paper because <laughs> I take so many notes you guys okay so my ratings for the episode the object of affection I always like to pick something from the episode that I would like to pluck out of the episode to keep for myself I didn't mention that um because the Orb of Thessala was sitting right next to Jenny when Angel attacks her, the first thing he does is pick up that Orb of Thessala and throw it against the chalkboard behind Jenny's head and it smashes into a million pieces. I forgot to mention that. But um, the object of affection, both for my mom when we watched it together the other day, and for me is that Orb of Thessala. Because it's pretty cool. I mean, it's basically like a crystal ball but it has a lot of like inclusions in it and stuff. So it's very interesting to look at. It's probably quartz. It's probably just a quartz ball, but it's like, you know, palm sized and it's pretty cool. And it has that awesome little box that it sits in, like in a little satin nest inside this really cool looking box with a design on it and everything. So that is the object of affection of the episode. The thing that I would like to pluck out to keep for myself. The quote of the episode is whenever, for me, is when Drusilla is getting that vision. And she says, the air, it worries. <laughs> so that's the quote. Um, the outfit of the episode, like I said earlier, is Xander's um, Christmas plaid fantasy, is how I wrote it down. Because <laughs> his outfit, through the majority of this episode, once you first see him in those plaid pants, the day that Jenny is murdered, um, is his best outfit. Although... Jenny's outfit really is pretty great in this episode as well. Um, that's the one that I would, well, I would wear Xander's episode, Xander's outfit too, but um, Jenny's is also pretty great. Um, let's see, the music in this episode, the um, episode started in that scene right before the credits when there was the voiceover of Angel and there was no dialogue and it was all the voyeuristic shit while they were at the bronze that first scene. What was playing was more Chiba's Never an Easy Way, which is a pretty great song. And of course, the La Boheme that was playing in Giles' apartment. And also, I read in my episode guide book that the there was like some kind of choral singing as part of the score during the last scene, whenever um, Giles and Buffy are at the cemetery, and then it goes into Willow teaching the class. There's like some choral singing. It's very subtle. It's just part of the score. But apparently Anthony Stewart Head, who plays Giles, he like specifically asked if he could do that singing because he's a singer. So at the end, when you hear choral singing, apparently it's Anthony Stewart Head's voice. So that's a good little um, tidbit of information. So that's the music that's in the episode, which it's fun to be able to talk about that because a lot of the time there aren't 
you know, there isn't any music in Buffy except for score stuff. And most of the time, I don't like the score that's in Buffy. But this episode, the score is really great. And it's still the same person that does the score, Christoph Beck. So I think he really stepped up his game in this episode because the score is really haunting and really interesting and really cool. And it was effective. So um, I'd be interested to see, to sort of pay attention, does the score just get better from now on? Or does it still have its moments of terrible? I don't know. I'll, I'll be paying attention from now on so I can report back on that. Um, I also always like to have a most valuable player of the episode. Um, I could have, as in most episodes where Drusilla is there, I could have easily given it to Drusilla because if she hadn't had a vision, you know, Angel never would have known that, you know, Jenny was trying to restore his soul and, you know, this episode wouldn't have happened, you know, <laughs> which... Obviously, we'd be spared a lot of pain if this episode didn't happen, but it's an effective episode and it needed to happen to progress the storyline of Angel's evil. We needed to get to the point where Buffy finally accepted that he is lost and she needs to kill him. So this episode got us to that point and without Drusilla having the vision, it wouldn't have happened. But I did not give the most valuable player to Drusilla. I could have given it to Jenny, because she was, you know, she was the one that gave them the book that revoked Angel's invitation. Technopagan, to the rescue, she also was figuring out the soul restoration spell. Like, she was pretty much a badass up until her death in this episode. But I did not give the Most Valuable Player um, award to Jenny. I could have given it to Giles, because he, you know, with the fireballs... And with the, um, him back and Buffy up still and basically telling Jenny that until she says it's okay, they're not going to have a relationship and, you know, that whole thing. I could have given it to him, but I didn't. I could have given it to Buffy because she saved Giles and she, you know, is her regular badass self in this episode. But I decided to give the most valuable player award to Sunshine, the puppy who will never see again, but I confirmed that Sunshine was in Spike's lap as Drusilla and Spike got out of the warehouse before it, like, burned down. So, presumably they're going to be in a totally new location the next episode, or they'll just still be lurking around in the warehouse while it's burned. I don't know. Why don't they hang out at Angel's apartment? Angel has a really cool apartment, but I guess he just doesn't hang out there anymore because that's sold Angel's style of apartment. He'd rather like lurk in a gross abandoned warehouse instead. I don't know, whatever. So Sunshine is okay. I would like to believe that Sunshine was like, dude, y'all are too dramatic and just like jumped off Spike's lap and ran away and found a home somewhere. So most valuable player, Sunshine the puppy. Um, my 5x5 five five ratings, I like to give a score out of 5 for both the overall, like, how much I enjoyed the episode, and then the, um, because Joss Whedon's vision for this show in general is creating metaphors of real life adolescence in horror. So how well do I think the message 
was conveyed through the metaphors in the episode is the other score out of five. And then I multiply those two scores together to get a final overall score for the episode. So as far as enjoyability, like obviously I didn't enjoy this episode because it's extremely emotionally punching, but I think it was executed well despite all of those bullshit moments and all those nitpicks. It was executed really well and it's a really good episode and it furthers the plot. Like I said before, I think it's a really good episode of Buffy. So it gets a four. Because I docked it a point for all those nitpick and bullshit things. As far as conveying the message, um, the message here is, obviously, it's very literal in this episode. It's like, passion drives us, and and we would have a lot of peace if we didn't have passion, but then we would be hollow, you know, like all that angel voiceover shit about passion is, you know, it's very black and white what they want us to think about this episode I think um so as far as that's concerned I think this episode more is more literal than most so it's able to convey the message a lot more simply than most episodes do so I gave it a five for that uh, so overall the episode gets a 20. so let's look ahead to see how when we get to because of the nature of this project sometimes I don't get to have an episode every week so where are we 24th of February passion so we do get to have an episode next week but next week's episode is the last episode is the only episode that we will get to talk about in March we will not have another episode of Buffy after next week until the 28th of April. So that really sucks. <laughs> it's going to be a big hiatus. I'll have to figure out what I'm going to do in the midst of that hiatus. Like I probably don't want to leave you guys completely high and dry with no podcast episodes between the 3rd of March and the 28th of April, um, which is what we're looking at. But for now... I will be back next week with the next episode, which is called Killed by Death. And I believe I have tentative plans with my brother Sagan to, I think he's going to be a guest um, on that episode. It's more of a pretty straightforward, episodic, just B-movie horror type episode of Buffy. So it's a little bit more lighthearted um, before we get into another pretty heavy episode, which is the one after that, which again, is until the very end of April. So unfortunately, we're about to head into kind of a lull with Buffy. Um, and just looking ahead, sorry, like you guys don't probably care, but one episode in March, one episode in April, three episodes in May, and then we don't come back to talk about season three until fucking September. So that's really the big downside of doing this project. The upside is that it's really fun that I am watching it the way that it was watched back in 1998. Right now, I'm seeing it in the context that it was seen in 1998, despite the fact that I watch it a couple of times. But I don't, like, I have rules for myself that I'm not allowed to watch ahead. 
um, in any current season that I'm doing. I'm not allowed to watch anything in that season that I haven't watched yet until I actually get to the day. But um, that's the downside is that in the next one, two, three, four, five, six, in the next six months, we're only going to see five episodes of Buffy. So really sad. So we're going to have from, we're going to have all of June, July, and August, and most of September with no episodes of Buffy. Um, yeah. So sorry. Sorry to bring you guys down, but this podcast, if you're listening in real time, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of waiting to get to the next episodes, which is sad, but that's the nature of this project and that's how I'm doing it. So I will be back next week, however, with Killed by Death. Thanks for listening and I will see you next week. Bye!